Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I'm going to tell you a story, um, and I'm going to do it at the risk of losing my manly credibility with the blokes out there, but I've got to be authentic. I've got to be honest. You know, um, I'm a homeowner now, and so that's a big responsibility. There's things to be done, and, and uh, we decided it was time for a new clothesline. We had the uh, 18th century Hills Hoist out in the backyard that was looking a little like it could go in a museum. And so I did some research. I was like, we'll get one of those ones that kind of folds out on the wall down the side of the house. It's going to be perfect. And bought it. And um, I actually read the instructions. I followed the instructions. I was, I was, I was, I was humble. I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't done this before. I'm going to you know, do it. I, but I was like, I can install the clothes on. I mean, how hard can it be? You drill a couple of holes in the window. Window. That's also, that's not a good start, all right? Drill, <laughs> drill some holes in the wall. Don't drill windows. It doesn't work, guys. I'm pretty confident of that part. And, uh, you know, you put the little pluggy things in, and you screw, you know, come on. And so I, I did it, spent my Saturday doing my, my manly chores around the house, put the clothesline up. I was like, yeah, this is great. The next day, uh, Tam comes in after trying to hang the, the clothes up, and she says, hey, um, Shannon, it's, it's, one side's kind of hanging out of the wall. And I was like, oh, what happened there? I followed the instructions. It must be faulty. It must be faulty uh, equipment, poor instructions. I don't know. And so, um, look, I wasn't, look, I, was, I feel like I was humble enough to say, okay, maybe I need a bit of help. And so I went next door, got the neighbor over. He's, he's a trader, you know, he's, he's building a, a trailer out the front of his house. He's got to know what he's doing. And so he's having a crack and like, I feel like the hole is just kind of gradually getting a little bit bigger and, and uh, no bingo. And so I, uh, you know, asked, Talked to, to a mate at church. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come and do it. He's just building his own house at the moment. And so he comes and, and I feel like the hole got a little bit bigger. And so he's like, I got this foam stuff. You kind of squirt it in there and expands and just kind of fills up the gap. You know, by now I feel like you could you'd probably fit a small child in this, this, this thing. But he fills it and kind of puts the thing in and he's like, yeah, it should be a ride. And it wasn't right, and, and so then I was like, all right, get my brother-in-law, he's, he's, he's real good handy dude, steel fabricator dude, he knows what's going on, so he's like, you just need a bigger bolt um, with most men, it's like, you just need something bigger, you need a bigger tool or a bigger bolt, or... and so we put it in, and, it's, and it's, it's six months on, it's still holding up, I got a picture of it, do you want to put that up, um, this is my clothesline, look, it's a little bit on the, on the bend, and, and like one side doesn't kind of click in properly like it should, and you kind of go like this a few times before it actually stays. I, honestly, it's probably just a bad, bad, um, bad make, bad, you know, uh, it's probably, yeah, faulty, faulty thing. But um, please don't look at the rest of my backyard, that lawn and, and the weeds. Nobody told me when you buy a house, having grass is like a full-time job. Oh my goodness. Why does nobody tell you this? I'm just like, it's the dream. I'm going to have my own house. Oh my goodness, this lawn is like, it's just weeds now. And my wife comes out, she's like, oh my goodness, this is just weeds. And I'm like, I'm already overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. If anyone wants to come and sort my lawn out, please, I receive that help. But, uh, you know, so now it sits crooked. One side just doesn't click in. I'm, I'd say it's probably just a bad clothesline. I'll, maybe I'll get warranty or something. It's, not a, it's definitely not a bad handyman job, you know? Because I, I, think, I think I am handy, you know? Like, I just need more experience. I just need more time on the tools, you know? Like, and that's why I keep telling myself I'm not ready to succumb to the idea that I'm just not very good at this sort of stuff, that it's not my, my gifting or my purpose, you know? Like, even using that foam filler, it's like, it's the right idea. We need to fill the hole somehow, but we probably use the wrong thing for that kind of purpose. And, and it got me thinking, you know, when something is, is, isn't functioning in its design purpose, well, it doesn't really tend to work out. It doesn't fulfill its potential. Like, like me, like I could, if I was to try and build a house, 
Actually, let's say if I was trying to build a cubby house, if I was trying to fix our existing cubby house in our backyard, maybe it wouldn't just like, it may take me a really, really long time and I'd probably break it more than I would fix it, you know, because maybe that's me not really functioning in my purpose per se. And, and so I wanna, I wanna talk about purpose today. Uh, what each of you were created for. Like, why are we still here on the earth? Like, why doesn't Jesus just whiz us up to heaven to be with him when we said yes to following him? And, and when I think on this, it just, it actually leads me to the mandate of the church, right? The, the reason why this church exists, and frankly, I believe it's why we exist too. The mandate on our, our church is that we exist to see the lost found, disciples made, and nations reached with the gospel of Jesus. This is straight out of the Bible. This is actually straight out of Jesus' mouth, right? That, that, that they go into all the world, that's the nation's reach parts, and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if this is your home, if this is your church, this is your family, then this is what it's about for us too. This is our mandate as his disciples. And so let me just show you the journey that we've been on as a church uh, over the last few months and where we're headed because this is all linked to, I guess, our church cultures, who we believe we are and who we're trying to aspire to be. You can put those up on the screen. These are our cultures. We have eight of them. Hopefully you've heard these before. We try to talk about them a bit. If you've been to a welcome lunch, we say this is what our church is about. Now, if you look at the four on the left, it says we're about faith, we're about encountering Jesus, we're about wholeness, we're about authenticity, right? These are all very inwards sort of cultures, right? They're about input into you, investment into you. But then you look on the, the other side, the right side, and it says we're about others. We're about serving Jesus and his church. We're about reaching those far from God, and we are about the generations. So there's four with an inwards focus and four with an outwards focus. There's an intentionality around that. You see, there's a balance that we endeavor to keep and provide through our services, through connect groups, and the input we give to you as believers in the church is this balance of inwards and outwards, right? If we just expect you just to, to serve and, and care about others and just reach people and just input into the generations and just do all this stuff, well, you'd quite likely burn out. Right? But if we just expected this to just to be a place of let's just all be really real and just encounter Jesus and just receive and just more wholeness, and then we'd actually never fulfill the mandate. Right? And each of us would not fulfill our God-given purpose. It's not a case of one or the other, but of both. And we've been journeying as a church this last good few months or so around some of these inwards ones. You know, we've talked about the season, we've had a season of encounter, we've had conference, we've had times where people have been healed and set free and, and touched by the power and the love of God. And, and that doesn't stop, but that's what it's been our focus. And then we shifted in to this season of wholeness, where we talked about getting, being authentic and, and getting vulnerable before God and, and letting God deal and, and just put his finger on some of those things that are a little bit ugly in us that he wants to grow in us or, or heal in this space and you know, unforgiveness and just all that light, fluffy, fun stuff. you know. <laughs> but we gotta understand that all of that is for a purpose, right? It's so that through us, individually and collectively, we would see the lost found. We would see disciples made and we would see the nations reached with the gospel. Over this next few weeks, we're gonna shift more into this space of where each of us step greater into the call of God for our lives, where we do some good works to see some lives changed, yeah? How does that sound? It's like, but I just wanna receive more. 
Absolutely, we're still gonna make that space, but there's a call of God on our lives. We're here for a purpose, amen? In John chapter seven, verse 37 and 38, it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now we love this, this, the coming to him to drink and to receive and to get refreshed and absolutely that is God's desire, that's his heart for us. We, you know, we love the living waters coming in, you know, pour out, refresh in me. But it says living waters will flow from within to where, right? It's to the outside, it's to others, yeah? Like rivers have an inlet and an outlet, yeah? Like if we're only an inlet without an outlet, then we aren't a river of living water, we're like a lake. And water in a lake can get stale and nasty, right? In the context of your life, is it feeling refreshing? Is it alive? Or have you been feeling a little bit stale? You know, has your life as a Christian become a little bit like a lake rather than a fresh flowing river? You know, I believe that there's a reason why so many Christians find themselves restless or aimless or anxious, or just never feeling satisfied, just discontent, or, or even apathetic, is, is because we've been trying to find more to fulfill us in here, instead of letting God pour into us, and then through us into others. And so the title of my message today is Stepping Into Purpose. I don't know if it's stepping in space to purpose, or stepping into purpose. I'm a sucker for grammar, but I'm just not very good at it. You can tell me after, all the teachers out there. But I am, I'm so passionate about this. I honestly, like, my greatest joy is seeing people step into their calling and purpose in God. Like seeing them come alive as they discover gifts in themselves and as they make a difference in others' lives and, and, and a difference that has eternal fruit in the kingdom, right? And as they mobilize and activate others, right? It's a beautiful thing. That's why I love teaching in, in Life Activated because you see people come alive and start to step into their purpose. So do you know that you were born for a purpose. You were born for a purpose. More than just going to work and eating and sleeping and doing it all over again, more than just getting degrees or earning money or having a house and some kids and a white picket fence. Do you know that God has a role for you, a place for you, work for you to do? There's kingdom work that God has for you to make an impact that echoes in eternity, to change the trajectory of someone's or many someone's lives. And because it's what you were created for, it's the most fulfilling thing that you could possibly do. I, I, I take that to the bank. I can guarantee you it's the most fulfilling. It'll make you come alive more than anything in this world, more than a job promotion, more than an awesome holiday with the friends that you like traveling with, because we know we can go on a holiday with friends and it's like, well, let's never travel with them again. Like More than the, the friends you like traveling with, more than getting married, more than seeing your baby take their first steps, it's to live your life in the fullness of your God-given purpose. I can tell you there's nothing that will satisfy or fulfill you more than that. Yes, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, for we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his, his craftsmanship, right? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. <laughs> when I think of my handiwork of the clothesline, which was created by me to do a good job of hanging up the clothes, which the clothesline company prepared in advance for it to do. Uh, it didn't go so well. It failed because of me, but thank God Jesus is holding up his end of the bargain, right? His end of the deal. And you and I, we haven't been made on some supply chain or conveyor belt and let's just churn out some people. No, 
We're his handiwork, we're his masterpiece, his workmanship. We are unique and handcrafted by God. Look at the person next to you, they don't look anything like you. Praise God. (laughs) God is intentional, right? And who you are, right? He doesn't make faulty models, he doesn't make junk. Who you are, the way that you are, is for a God-given purpose. There are good works that you were specifically created to do. That doesn't mean, though, that it's the easiest path to walk, and it most likely isn't the path path of least resistance. It'll require juggling priorities. It'll cost you some comfort. It'll mean laying things down, but you'll live your life knowing you've made an impact and you are faithful to what God asked you to do. We need to know with deep conviction that we're called by God, and we need the grit and determination to actually walk in it. So let me just undergird where I'm going with this, with, with, with this truth. What we do doesn't make us closer to God. We don't get more of his attention by serving him. He doesn't love us more if we do Christian things and it doesn't make us more holy either. Right? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We can see here that our salvation and reconciliation of God is built completely on the grace of God, completely on the work of Jesus on the cross, whom we place our faith in and follow. He saves us, not what we do. We serve God from salvation, not for salvation. Yeah, you following me? You see, we step into purpose and serving Him and doing good works because of all that He's done. Like that is enough for us to lay down our whole lives, amen. Our our lives are completely reconciled back to God. Our sin is gone. Our eternity is secured in Him. Man, the least I can do is give Him back my life. You don't need to pursue His approval like that of a harsh father. You're saved and accepted. And so your response, it should be one of devotion and service. We are each created for a unique God-given purpose. It's the most fulfilling thing we can do. There's more than enough for us to do until the day we die. We don't finish our purpose at 40 and then, I don't know, I'll just exist. You know, it's, it's something we do from a place of salvation, not to attain it. So how do we step into our God-given purpose? We serve his bride, the church. How great is serving the Lord, serving his bride? So many of you here, you so faithfully serve. And I, and I pray today that as we, we talk about this, this purpose, there's a renewed joy and, and focus for you as you serve, that, that you would operate in a deeper conviction from today of what God is doing in you and through you. But I felt the Lord highlight something unique to me in the story and the life of, of Samuel. I mentioned him in the, in the child educations. You see, Samuel, he lived in a pretty dark day for God's people, the Israelites. There was no king in Israel. There was no prophet except himself to speak for God. The priesthood was in a shambles and the period of the judges was coming to a rather inglorious end and, and the people had been on this seesaw for centuries, up and down, up and down, getting nowhere and ringed in by fierce and cold-hearted foes. And the knowledge of the true and, and living God sort of lingered in the land with the people, but a revival was truly needed. And it was Samuel who was the man to bring it. It was Samuel who travailed in prayer to ascertain when and where and how this or that or the other things should be done with the people. It was Samuel who wrestled with God over the matter of the constitutional change of of Israel from a theocracy into a monarchy. It was Samuel who wrestled with God over the, the matter of terminating Saul's infant dynasty as king and transferring the kingdom to David. Moreover, 
When the wars of God were to be fought, it was Samuel who stood in the gap. It was Samuel who fought the Philistines to the point where after his last spectacular victory, the Philistines didn't dare invade Israel again in the days of Samuel. And when the word of God was to be taught, it was Samuel who taught it. He became Israel's first prophet. And soon all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. You could say he completely fulfilled his purpose in the Lord. But if we go back to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter three, when Samuel is young, he has this encounter with, God, with the Lord where he hears the tangible voice of God calling to him. It's an amazing story. He runs to Eli thinking this priest Eli is calling him. He says, yes, you call me. What is it? He says, no, go back to bed. I don't know what you're talking about. It happens a few times and then Eli says, oh, God is trying to speak to you. Next time go back and say, speak, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. And, and, and I often use this passage to teach people how to hear the voice of God. You know, just ask and listen. Um, but that moment, that moment was the catalyst for Samuel stepping in to this incredible purpose in God as a prophet to the nations. God spoke to him and then kept on speaking. He stepped in to all that God had for him. But here's the thing that the Lord showed me. Where did this happen? Happen in the house of the Lord. He was living in the house of God. The house of God was his home. He was serving there every day, learning the priesthood, just doing whatever was needed. His mother, after being barren for years, had promised the Lord that if he would only give her a son, that she would give him back to God, that he would live in God's house and serve God's people. His destiny was fulfilled because he was planted and serving in the house of God. What I'm about to say is gonna mess with a few of you, but here it is. Your purpose in life is inextricably linked to the church, to his church. You might say, oh, but I can, I can get people saved on my own. I can, I can share the gospel, but sure, who, who, who disciples them though? Or who makes sure that what you are discipling and teaching them is sound? Or what do you teach them when you run out of things to teach them? Or what happens if more get saved? How can you handle them all? What if you're away? Who do they call? Right, you need to be a part of the church. You know? How do you learn to even communicate the gospel? Will you serve in youth ministry or kids or in a community outreach? How do you learn to hear from God for these people? Will you join a prayer team or you're in a connect group learning to listen to God for one another, right? Or you could say, oh yeah, but I could reach the nation. I could go overseas and do some mission work. Well, yeah, good luck. Like, I mean, who covers you in prayer? Who supports you financially? Who makes sure you're stewarding the finances that you're being given? Or when, when you do reach people, well, then where do they go, right? Or who else do they connect with? How do they, you know how to lead them or disciple them? It's because you've done leadership trainings. You've, you've got an experience leading a connect as you serve, right? Maybe you say, yeah, but I'm, I'm called to, to kingdom finance, so I don't serve in church. I'm called to make money for the church. Absolutely, that's fantastic, but where does that finance go? And whose covering are you under? And, and where is there accountability to that call? It's all through church. Now, I have a friend of mine who's in this church who is called to kingdom finance, and, and, and yet he still serves in Sprouts with our one-year-olds, right? Because he knows his finance is gonna impact the next generation, and because he loves God's church. Maybe you think, oh yeah, but I'm called, to, I'm called to missions in a third world country. That's amazing. I lived in Cambodia for four and a half years, five and a half years doing ministry there, but I've seen firsthand missions, organizations, and ministries, some that were fruitful and some that really weren't. And I realized the difference in every single one of those is those that were fruitful were the ministries and organizations that were connected to a church. And those that weren't were the ones that weren't connected to a church. I kid you not. You know, I'd see these amazing organizations run these brilliant programs and they'd rescue women, women from trafficking and they take them through this program of restoration and it's amazing and then and, and this program ends 
But then the women are like, well, where do I go now? And they just go straight back into trafficking because that's all they know. See, programs end, but church doesn't. Church doesn't end. So you might be thinking, okay, well, what does my purpose have to do with the church? Does it even matter in relation to what my purpose in God is? Yes. So let's get some theology around this, okay? People will make up their minds to define what the church is, but we must come back to God's design and what his word says about the church. In the Bible, the the word for church is ecclesia, which literally means a company or gathering of Christians, those who constitute such a company who are united in one body. See, the church is not singular, it's a collective noun. You can't be a church by yourself, but the church is made up of believers connected to other believers who make up something bigger than themselves. This is God's design and it's the only way we fulfill the mandate. The church is God's bride. He loves the church. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We focus a lot on this passage of the husband's part and how I need to love my wife better and I take that. But this scripture is also showing us that Christ loves the church so much that he gave himself up for her. The thinking to love God but not love the church is not God's heart at all, and so it shouldn't be ours. And now that's not to say that church is perfect and doesn't make mistakes. I so acknowledge that. You know, as a pastor, I've made mistakes and I've I've hurt people, and, and for that I am truly sorry, but we can't allow that to then shape our doctrine and draw us away from God's design. See, God refers to the church as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. See, just like in the human body, any part removed from the body is going to struggle to fulfill its purpose. In fact, it probably isn't gonna be able to fulfill it. So too in the church, right? Each individual part only finds their purpose truly fulfilled in the context of the whole body. You know, my son Caleb, he's, uh, he's 15 months old. He's got blonde hair, gorgeous blue eyes, and he gets them from his mother. And he woos people, he gets what he wants, and also his eyes stop him from running into walls most of the time. Now, imagine this is one of his blue eyes. Have you ever just seen an eyeball just sitting there? Like, it's just freaky, right? Like, you know, it doesn't look right. It's not designed to sit on its own. That's weird, right? That's gross, and it's also not gonna be of any use at all. But if you see the same blue eyes in someone's face, that's beautiful, and it's functional, right? What's the difference? One is in the body, and the other is not. One is beautiful and fulfilling its purpose, and the other is ineffective and weird, same for us and his church, right? Oop. Excuse me. Oh, jeez. Here, Hannah, catch. One of the guys at the back said he's got his eye on you. Yes! Nailed it. She dropped it. Sorry, mate. Not, not interested. Come on, everybody, come back, focus. <clears throat> Now, I'm aware that this can come across, you know, for me to say, be an active part of the church, uh, be a part of it as bias or, or with an agenda because I, I work in church and, and, oh, I need your help for the church to function, etc. But we've got to just hear what the Bible says, like what it's calling. It's for our God-given purpose. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12, it says, so Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people, all the believers, right, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's my job is to equip his people, all believers, for works of service that build up the body of Christ, the church. My point here is that it's impossible to remove your God-given purpose from the church, right? It's God's chosen vehicle for ministering to his people and to reach all of humanity with the life-changing reality of knowing Christ. So you wanna step in your God-given purpose? You want rivers of living water flowing in and through you? Well, it needs to be input and output. Right? Each of us answering the call to play our part in the body, to impact people for Christ, to represent Christ to the world as his church. So that leads me to ask you this question. Are you actively engaging in good works within the body of Christ to lead you into the fulfillment of your God-given purpose? Or has your attention been on things that the world defines as purposeful, but in the end, are empty and carry no impact in eternity. As I reflected on my own life, I can relate to Samuel and I, and I can relate to this reality that any and every little impact that I've made that matters in eternity, that bears fruit, that lasts, that has actually impacted someone's life truly, has been through me serving in church. Yes, I'm a full-time pastor now, but it didn't start that way. I first served in this church when I was 15. I was shaking hands at the door and I was unloading the truck to set up the sound system every week as we were in hired venues. You know, my first youth, uh, my first leadership role was in church. I ran the large-scale games at youth, which we called Tribal Wars, and I thank God that nobody died. Um, <laughs> but I remember the first time I was running, I remember screaming out in frustration in the middle of a service because I was trying to pull it together and make it work and, and organize people and not do everything myself and lucky it was in the middle of praise so nobody heard me screaming like that but <laughs> I remember learning to disciple people as a year 12 leading a connect group running my first connect group at the time I was in year 12 and my connect group was full of year 12s we've gotten much better at how we do connect groups and leading now you know be at school and you make a bad joke and this girl goes off crying and you're like oh gosh she's in my connect group like oh that's a fail right you know but I've gotten better at that but you know, I remember, I remember painting the youth trailer and, and fitting it out into this little video games hub that we could take into high schools as a mean to connect and build relationships so we could share the gospel. I remember emceeing for the first time and I used to lock myself in the side room of the Melville Civic Center where we used to have church so I could compose myself and try to figure out exactly what I was gonna say word for word because I was petrified. I remember designing the building of our Phnom Penh campus of making testimony videos, using editing software, of, of washing cars to fundraise for mission trips, all these different opportunities and things that impacted me and led me into my purpose all happen in church. I remember the many times of praying with people had the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, to invite Jesus into their hearts. You know, I remember calling Pastor Matt Hennigan every week when he was a teenager, trying to get him to come back to youth and to connect and, and to start following Jesus with his whole heart. Praise God, he did, you know. I, I, I've learned, you know, I remember jumping on a camera in Cambodia during COVID and streaming the gospel out across Cambodia, a foreign country whose language and culture are not my own, but I was playing a part in sharing the gospel with them. 
I've learned how to prophesy, to pray for people, to preach, to evangelize, to communicate, to forgive, to be humble, to disciple, to discern, to deliver and journey with people through serving in God's house. Every gift God has put in me, whether I knew it or not, has been and continues to be shaped by me serving Jesus as a part of his body. You all have gifts. Worship team, you can come join me. You all have gifts. The Bible tells us this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, in 1 Peter 4, in Ephesians 4. There's so many spaces. You have something to give. And when you use those gifts, you're stepping into God's given, the God-given purpose for your life. And there's kingdom impact. And there's a genuine and deep personal satisfaction as you create it, as you walk in who God has created you to be. So I wanna just close this out by asking a handful of questions. And I hope one of these challenges you or applies to you. I know for many of you, you are serving. And so I wanna ask you the question, what is the more that God wants to do through you in the area you're serving? Sometimes we can just go through the motions, but when we understand, wow, there's kingdom impact here, how can I steward that well? How can I be spiritually prepared? How can I, can I push and believe for greater in those spaces? What's the more that God wants to do through you in the area you're serving? For others of you, let me ask you this, where do you need to humbly step in to get involved and see your gifts activated to impact others? Remember, serving is not about you. It's not about how great you are or your gift is, but it's about others and saying, okay, how can I play a part in the body? How can I play a part in seeing the lost be found, seeing disciples be made and the nations be reached? Maybe you're here and you don't serve. Maybe you used to. I wanna ask you the question, what's holding you back from serving Him, from serving your church, from loving people? Do these factors need to be reassessed? Maybe legitimate, or do they need to reassessed and, and the impact in eternity taken into account? And as you look at what's holding you back, are there areas in your life that you need to access healing in? so that you can step back into serving again. Maybe it's a fear of not actually fulfilling your purpose. Maybe it's a fear of getting burnt out again. Input and output. And so in a moment, I'm gonna invite my friend, Aaron. He's one of our amazing leaders in the youth and young adults ministry. And, and he's actually gonna come and share a bit of his story of how he came to know Christ and, and actually give you a chance here. If you don't know God or you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, he's gonna give you an opportunity to to invite Jesus in your heart. But, but first, I just wanna give some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us, to ponder the truths we've discussed today, those questions that I've thrown up there, to draw us in to fulfilling our God-given purpose. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.